back to Foundational Thoughts, the podcast, the Missouri Baptist Foundation. My name is Neil, your host, and today we're wrapping up a four-part series with Richard Baker, and Richard is a pastor and financier all at the same time, and financier. he helps people. Like you like that? We're getting yeah, better every time. Yeah, that sounds get good. A better sounds like term. I'm like a bullfighter or something. Yeah, a financier. I don't even know what that means, but you help people think through their finances, and you help them build wealth, and you've got all kind of strategies to do that, all kind of degrees and certifications, but really coming from a pastor's heart, and so you care Absolutely. about pastors and you're able to help them. You've written a book on biblical retirement. You're interested in helping church people. You're interested in helping us prepare for the future. And we've really been talking about the 90% of what the Lord's entrusted us right. with that we get to keep and managing it well. And we've been talking about the the dangers of debt, which I think everybody understands the dangers of debt, but still it's that danger that, okay, we'll play around with right. that and we'll be okay because everybody else is. Um, and everybody's got three car garages and all this other kind of stuff. And I got to right. be just like that. And so we talked about that. If you missed that podcast, listen to us. Uh, and then we talked about this scary thing for me now, as I am 47, about to turn 48, looking toward this thing called retirement and a system that's been built on working for 30 years and then dying after you retire in a couple of years. And right. you're giving some shocking statistics last time that if you live to 65, if you make it that far, odds are you're going to... A 63% chance you're going to make it to 90 yeah. Wow. That's, you or your spouse are going to make it to 90. If, 36% chance that one of you are going to live to 95. That's incredible to think it about. Is. So now we're talking about almost a 30-year retirement, uh, trying to live off a 30-year retirement while we worked for 30 years mm-hmm. and raised a family. So how? In, that sounds like a huge gap when we're saving 10%. So what do we do to, to, to soften that and to make sure we're not all eating dog food uh, in those last right. 30 years? You know, this is basically the, the free will of finances. So we got free will in this world. We got free will with our investments and our finances. And part of this is doing well. And so this is the part of how to. How, how do you do it? How do you get there? How do you make wide decisions? So it's not wrong for a Christian to want to do well in this world. I think absolutely not. You can you can enjoy this life. I think he's given us all kinds of great things to enjoy, but also to invest and short-term invest, long-term invest to prepare for the future. Well, as a pastor, I was, I'm was i a very strong capitalist, and I wanted my church members doing well, and I wanted absolutely. them to do legally and morally well, but I want them to make lots of money because I want them to be giving lots of money to right. accomplish the tithe. mission that we've been given. Right. And so tithe and offering. So how do we, in a Christian environment, knowing that 90% is his, how do we invest to live well and to protect retirement years? What exactly. do we do? Well, I think, first of all, we first got to understand the concept of it, of, of why you do it. I, okay. mean, I think the, the greatest investor that's ever lived was Joseph in Genesis chapter 41. So, I mean, he saved, you know, and then the seven years of plenty for the seven years mm-hmm. of famine. And, and we just got to realize that if you're still working, you're in the seven years of plenty. And, mm-hmm. and whether it feels like it or not, it okay. is because there's going to be famine coming when you're not working. And so you need to prepare for that. Okay. That's a great way to think about that. And I think the biggest thing is just really get started early. Oh, sure. What you've got to do is to start as early as possible. That and compounding interest thing compound is just phenomenal. Interest, I mean, uh, Albert Einstein said the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. And basically what that <laughs> means is when you have $10 and it makes a dollar, and then the next month your $10 makes another dollar, plus your dollar makes 10 cents. So it's when your interest makes interest and your interest makes interest. And that the longer time we can put that together, it works. there's going to be ups and downs and all kinds of things. Absolutely. But continuing to do that makes a world of difference. Absolutely. So 
We try to get started early. What else do we do? Right. I think the first thing is realize that there's short-term and long-term investing. So, okay. So the long-term investing is retirement. So we talk a lot about that, and we'll, we'll go into that about examples of things of what you do and how you prepare. So I think you do that. Okay. But also short-term. So okay. I think it's that teaching your kids to save before they get to the car. <laughs> yeah, the, okay. save the car. My, my daughter and son are both been working and saving since they were 10. So they... We don't give our kids money. They have to work. So they bid on jobs like they are oh contractors. And so they bid on things of cutting brush or stacking wood, and they have money to save for, reti- for not for retirement, but for the car. Wow. And so I think that's that short-term investing of saving for the car beforehand. So you save up half cash, buy the car, and then start doing a monthly payment to your savings account so that you're saving up money to buy the car with the cash you have saved up for the next time. And always realize you're always going to be saving for a car – but a lot of people do is the reverse. They buy the car and then make payments and have nothing at the end and have to start over again with higher payments. Mm. But we need to reverse that. Start off by saving until we have enough cash, buy the car, and then keep saving for the next car when that one needs to be traded. In order to, to save for that particular car and the car that I could actually truly, really afford right. may not be a 2019 Jaguar. Huh? Absolutely. Act your wage. I mean, I think that's really the key to it all is act your wage. Just figure out... Where is where am I in this life, and how can I live under that? Okay, and so you're talking about saving more than you're spending, right? Cash. So that's one aspect of saving. Right. Not just saving more, but just spending less than you're making. Spending less than I'm making. So that's yes. one way to do that, and that's just a cash asset. Right. So we got a cash in a checking account, or it's in the right. piggy bank, or wherever it is. Absolutely. Are there other ways that we need to be investing? Yeah, so in first of all, I'd say you know, do you go in the market for the short terms? And I think and you mean the stock fund, market. Stock is what you're market. Talking. Okay. Yeah, stock market is generally. If it's going to be in there for two or three years at least, then I think you can go on the stock market. But if you have a short-term goal less than that, then I would say keep it in cash or cash equivalent, money market, CD, something like that okay. at your local bank. That are a little more secure because there's more volatility secure. in the market. And there's as we're talking about and today, fees and, expenses, <laughs> fees and expenses, though, and we forget about that, don't we? Right, absolutely. We sometimes talk to a financial expert and they show us, oh, here's what your returns are. And you go, oh, that's great. And it's sometimes hard to get the fee structure out of that. Absolutely. Isn't it? Sometimes? And first of all, always ask, what's my return after fees? So yes. net of fees, what's my real true return? Okay, and so the stock market is a long-term solution, right. but there's a lot of volatility, and uh, you know I'm in the foundation business, and so we are managing funds in perpetuity, right. and so forever, and so when the market goes down, then I look at that from my perspective in our foundation work and go, hey, look, everything just went on sale. Opportunity. This yeah. is great, but personally, that's not the way that it right. works, because at some point, we're not going to keep everything we have in the market. We're going to be start pulling money out of that market there's there's different seasons and and i think one thing so just switch into retirement plan yes is i grew up in a small town and i grew up driving a standard transmission vehicle and so i was taught maybe it's wrong but when you come to stop sign you would downshift so if you're in fifth gear then you go to fourth then you go to third then you go to second and then possibly first and so you go there and you wait and then you go back up one two three four five okay in the same way, you should do that with the risk of your retirement. There should be five seasons of your career Oh, really? in, in your retirement. So you're a lot more risky. When you're young and 20, 30, I mean, you could just – aggressive, man. Let's roll the dice. Let's see how it goes. Which is good because that's the way your attitude is about everything that's else right. in life, right? Just go for it, yeah. <laughs> but then the closer you get to retirement, you need to start lowering that risk. Okay. And I think you should get a little more conservative the, the way you go. But the main thing we say is just start early and get on it. And be aggressive when you start – you don't worry about it. Don't watch it. Don't get nervous. It goes up and down. What what a person in re- saving for time really wants is they want the market to crash. They want the market to crash every day until six months before they retire, and then they want to just jump up <laughs> and have the biggest runs ever had because you want to be able to buy it cheap. Right, right. And so when you're buying it monthly, 
don't worry if the market's down. That's a discount, just like you said. So the dollar cost averaging, I think, is what they call that, right? That every month we're going to put the same amount of money in. Some months it buys more, some money. But as we start looking at needing that money, we're not going to put it out. Now, some people would argue maybe that the stock market is kind of like gambling. I've heard that talked about from some conservatives, uh, and I don't know that I agree with that. I'm not saying I agree with that. But are there other places that we should be thinking about investing, or should all of our money be in the stock market? You know, is that part of the season of life as well? And I think the the best thing is that if you can own a business, or you can do a side business, do something like that. And I think we see that all through Scripture. Is people who are, I mean, Apostle Paul made tents, so if you can make tents or okay. whatever your tent making is, do something if you have a higher profit margin. But if not, then you just need to save. And then if you're going to save, you do it through retirement, which is your probably the stock market. Okay. And I think the probably the the first place you start is wherever you're working. If they offer a 401k, 403b, or some other retirement instrument, whatever their match is, get that. Don't leave money on the table. So if, if they say you have to do 6%, then they'll do 3%. You at least do 6%. Okay. And I think you've got to get started. And then I think people, if, if they think there's going to be Social Security, they need to be doing 10% on their own okay. of their savings towards retirement. Okay. And stock market, wherever they're just going to put it. But if they don't think there's going to be Social Security, then they need to be doing 15%. Okay. And they need to get there. And the same way I teach people how to tithe, if, if you can't just go from giving nothing to the church to giving 10%, then do what you can do and then add 1% per year. So, for instance, Neil, if somebody gets a 3% raise, let's say they, they want to do 15% saving in retirement, but they're at 8 and they just can't get above it. Right. So the next year they get 3% raise. So just make a commitment at that raise to give one of those percents to your retirement. So when you get 3% raise, just raise your retirement by 1%. You still get a raise of 2%, but then one of it, you don't feel the effect on your budget, but you're still increasing and do that every year until you get up to 15%. Add 1% per year. And when you're talking about investing, you know, you, you mentioned owning a business, and I think there was some research that came out in the last couple of months that talked about uh, internationally, they did some research, and it's the people who own businesses are the ones who have the highest wealth. Absolutely. And it's not even the people who own their own home necessarily. It's the idea of the person who owns somebody else's home kind of was that kind of concept right. of that business. Uh, but then we've got the market to put money into. Uh, Percentage-wise on those things, you would suggest the the owning a business is the one of the best ways to do that. That's not for everybody. Most people can't do that. I mean, most people don't have that skill set to have their own business or have a side business. Most people are going to be working and have an employer, and they just need to save out of their retirement. I mean, save and, for their retirement out of their trade of check. And, and so how, how smart can you be with the market for that person? Uh, you know, some people try to time the market that's right. out there. And then some people are trying to, you know, my, everybody's got a good stock tip that's going to go right. up. They're looking for the next Netflix or whatever it is. Right. What are some sound investment strategies or, or what do you suggest people think through? Yeah. You know, I, I think don't try to overthink it. I mean, I, okay. my, my daughter's a softball pitcher and I just say, tell her, don't think. Just throw the pitch that the coach says. Mm. And I think that's the only thing is find a good coach. Find somebody who can help you. Find okay. Maybe somebody in your church. Maybe somebody who's, who's a godly person, not just in speech, but in action. And, and have them help you. Have okay. them give you that wisdom you need to really follow through and have a good plan. You're a professional, so you're probably right. not um, really high on a passive kind of strategy. Uh, you know, index, I, ETFs, all those kinds of things. Right. As long as you're managing, as long as somebody's telling you how to instruct that. I mean, for instance, some of my – I like – I like actively managed accounts. So that's what I do, and that's sure, what I'd like. And, and some examples of that. I so, hope you do. I yeah, really do. I hope you go, yeah. no, this is, no, you shouldn't do it. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, some examples of that is just what normal investors, they don't even open their statements, let alone make a change. I, I had a 
I had a person I spoke to, and they hadn't changed their allocation in their retirement for 38 years. Oh, my They're exactly the same. And the market had changed. I mean, the, the, I mean, the whole America had changed in 38 years, <laughs> in and 38 they hadn't, years. hadn't changed it one bit, not once. Wow. And I calculated it cost them around $600,000 and lost uh, revenue just so they would have had it in a balanced portfolio. And so that's really tough. You know, people shouldn't be smart. So I think active management is good. If you can find somebody you can trust it, you can afford to pay for their services. Uh, for instance, like when a few years ago when Japan had the earthquake, you know, I, I started going in and moving people away from people or investments that had nuclear energy. Mm-hmm. Start moving them out of that. So it saved them from the downturn. Or when right. Brexit, when England first voted, which is in the news today, uh, first <laughs> voted for, to uh, pull away from Europe. That was a flash sale. So I started investing people into that. Right. But you need to have somebody. That's, I mean, that's like... I can't be a brain surgeon either. I got to find somebody who's good at it and right. let them, I got to trust them to help me. And so what's a reasonable fee or how do you go find that financial professional? Yeah. How do you know? You know, fees range from probably 2% down to depends on how much wealth you have. It's usually, it's on a range. Okay. So if you've got a million dollars, it's probably around 1%. Okay. Is what those fees usually cost. So that's cost. reasonable. So if that's, I have less than a million, one and a half to two percent, not unusual. Yeah, not 1. unreasonable. Yeah, one point three, one point four, okay. one half percent, something like that. Okay, yeah, that's not reasonable. And then if they're if they're doing well, most people pay for mutual funds. They, the average fund expense is about one percent. Okay, and in a managed account, generally they have institutional share classes, so the shares inside their management drop down to about. Uh, maybe 0.25, a quarter of a percent. So okay. really, you're not paying that much more okay. for the service uh, when you figure how much you're saving in the actual investments themselves. And you would expect that person to produce what I think is called in the business alpha, uh, <laughs> right. which is that above what the passive index would do or the skill set that they bring, how much more can I make off that? Because you should be making more than that 2%. You should be making more. But the main thing is I always tell people, I don't have to beat the market. I've just got to do better than what you would do on your own. And, okay. and that's a hard lesson, but it's true because most people aren't good at at investments. I have a, a stat, and this is a terrible stat. Oh, I and love your uh, terrible stats. Yeah, you, you love terrible stats. Yeah, I do. I love those. Between 1990 and 2009, the average retirement plan investor only made 3.17%. It's a little over 3%. But the S&P 500, the top 500 stocks in America, made 8%. And so... Really, most people, they buy when they ought to be selling, and they right. sell when they ought to be buying. They're emotional it, investors. Because the market is really driven by, I think it is, and, and you can disagree, and it's fine, but I think the market's driven by fear and greed. Absolutely. Well, first of all, the market's changed. When I first started as investing 24, 25 years ago, I had to really watch different stocks. I had to watch the companies. How much debt do they have? How much sales do they have? How much cash do they have? Now i got to watch all those things. I've also got to watch the knee-jerk reaction of the American people and because now they're watching the news, and they just, they just get excited about some of the smallest things that in the old days was a blip, that it wasn't a major thing. But now people want to sell, or they think it's an opportunity. They want to jump on the Facebook bandwagon stock. Or they, want, they get so they're, – they're trying to be brain surgeons when they should just hire someone. And, boy, that's been true of this presidency that we're under right now as we're listening to the podcast of President Trump. And regardless of what you think about him or individually mm-hmm. – with a tweet, <clears throat> he has been able to shake the Change markets market. Absolutely. without any underlying fundamental reason Absolutely. for those changes. And, and one of the things that's been interesting in, in the business that I've learned is that even though we're late in this cycle, quote, late in the cycle, meaning that we've had such a long run of good things happening, right. well, it can't just keep going. And yet all the fun, a lot of the fundamentals still keep saying there's still a lot of life left, but everybody's so worried about it. 
Right. It's it's just irrational. The markets. Yeah, I mean, the markets are coming in into the season, and that's part of the lifestyle. I mean, the the life of this market is ups, the ebb and flow. It's, it's it kind of has almost a tempo like like a music would happen. So that, it's part of it. We're we're coming to that end, and it's, and it's okay. People are going to start taking profits, and that's going to be an okay thing because if you're investing for another twenty years, this won't hurt you at all. Because there are some stocks to, to buy and to hold forever. Right, absolutely. But then there are some that you buy and sell based on what's going on or the life cycle of exactly. that company. And you really need somebody to help you do that. And that's what I think is so powerful. That number that you said, the average retirement return for somebody investing their own was about 3.17 or so. Three point, yeah, 3.17. Right. But the per, but the S&P itself... If they just would put it in the market and left it alone... <laughs> was doing 8.2. 8%. And so a professional... Probably should be able to do better than that. You would hope so. Right. And a lot of our calculations for the future are based on a six or seven percent return. Right. So you cut that in half, you're yeah. in real trouble. Exactly. So I mean, it just goes back to the Lord owns everything. It's His stuff. So be a good steward. So a couple things, just some basics. Please. First of all, save as much as you can. Don't bust your current budget, but save as much as you can. Try to get. Don't don't try to get a McDonald's hamburger at at Applebee's. I mean, so you're going to get what you get. So don't be afraid to pay a little bit more for good guidance, for good instruction, because they could be worth their weight in gold. Mm. So pay for good instruction. Find somebody who'll help you. Find somebody help you for free. That's great, but that's not reality. That's not life. My, if I ever need a brain surgeon, I'm going to pay top dollar, <laughs> and I want it to be good. We're we not do, looking for we? a discount. So yeah. do that. Younger in your life, have more equities, more stocks, and fewer bonds. Uh, you get closer to retirement, be closer to a balanced portfolio, half and half, or maybe 40% stocks, 60% bonds. So I don't think you ever want to go all fixed income, all bonds. I think you want to go more of a balance because the, we talked about in earlier podcast, people are living so much longer. You need some stocks. You still need some stocks, but you still need it to grow a little bit. And I encourage people, don't take all of your income in retirement keep some because you need to still growing a little bit. If it's making five, take four and a half because inflation is coming. You need to be able to continue to grow a little bit while it's in retirement. And as we've talked about all those things, the goal is not just to store up stuff for yourself so that you can be in good shape and you can watch everybody else suffer around you for the poor decisions that they made. It's to be able to be generous and to continue to serve our Lord, both physically and physically and financially to help people. Well, Richard, thanks for taking the time on our podcast to help us in these areas. Uh, if there's someone who's going, okay, I would like to hire that guy. You still, are you still taking customers as well? You know, periodically. Okay. I, I, I don't take a lot of clients, but okay. I have some, but I have some good references I can give. Okay. So. Well, that'll be great. And if somebody was interested in learning more uh, and wanted to speak to you, is there a way they could do that? Maybe there's an email or they a phone could, number here at the office. Yeah, How would you could, recommend them? They come office 417-447-3500. Uh, or look me up on, on LinkedIn or, or someplace, Richard okay. Baker. Probably there even on that Google thing out there. Absolutely, Google in. works. Well, Richard, thank you so much for your advice. Thank you for your heart for the kingdom and for helping us think through the stuff that we've been entrusted, uh, recognizing that it's temporary. Uh, we can't. They don't take the U.S. dollar in heaven, and so <laughs> it's not like we're going to be able to uh, take. They don't take the U.S. dollar in the other place of eternal destination right. either it's as true. well. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> while we're here, we can do a lot of good with it. And uh, we can actually leave some for the next generation and make a difference there. So thanks for helping us think through those things. Absolutely. And look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Neil. 